It's that time of the year when everyone is thinking about new resolutions, new aspirations, and what we want to do with the coming year. But one of the things that I think people often get wrong is to just willy-nilly create big plans without looking back, without properly reflecting, without properly looking back at where we have been, what our goals might have been and how our progress was at achieving them previously. It's very hard to know whether the goals that we're going to set this time are actually going to get us where we want to go. There's a real risk of getting lost in the artistic energy that often comes with a new cycle, a new solar cycle, or just at any point in time when you want to hit the reset button on your artistic progress. It's very easy to just get swept up in that energy and not really have it go anywhere productive. Now, what might be a little bit of a hot take is that I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions or artistic challenges or anything really that leverages external things to help us improve. Because I think we need to be able to hit reset on our artistic progress to reset our goals at any point in time. It's important to understand and have a good process and framework for doing this because frequently we do need to reassess. So what I'm going to do in this video is share with you the process that I use for doing the first part of a good goal setting exercise, which is where we look at where we have been, how things have been going, and we use this insight to help us do what we'll be doing going forward, which is actually setting those big artistic goals. Welcome to the Visual Scholar Podcast. My name is Tim McBurney. I have been a professional working artist for over 20 years. And on this show, we're all about demystifying the world of art, creativity, and productivity so that you can get better faster and enjoy your artistic journey. Okay, so as I said, this is about a review. It's not a matter of thinking about where we want to go. It's really looking at where maybe we did want to go. So you may have been someone who has done these types of exercises before. I have a variety of different videos on the Drawing Codex channel and the Visual Scholar podcast where I really talk about how to set goals and define priorities and progress and how you track your progress over time. But you may not have done that. So I want to sort of approach this from a couple of different angles. One is maybe where you've done this before and really what you're doing is just collating things, looking at what you have done in the past and trying to get a picture of where to go. Um, you may not have done this before, in which case what we need to do is build a lot of our artistic goals. And if you're not familiar with the way that I like to do this, normally the biggest challenge you face when it comes to goals and productivity from an artist's point of view is most people who write productivity literature are not artists. And we often have this sort of view of productivity literature that is anti-art. The idea is often for artists that we want to embrace the chaos, the subjectivity of art, the idea of writing goals and defining outcomes, I think can be very it can feel like it's not being an artist, essentially, or at least that's how I have felt at times. And I've talked to a lot of students who feel that way, that this is kind of not really what you want to be doing. And I think that's fair enough. But what I'm really trying to do here is try and provide frameworks and simple ways of viewing it where 
we approach this as an artist and we incorporate a lot of the flexibility and the inherent changes that you need to apply as you try and pursue an artistic goal. So this is not just a matter of set a goal, achieve the goal. You can't hustle your way or grind your way, I think, to artistic achievement because you need to have a good emotional feeling towards the work. So it's a matter of adjusting, tweaking, moving and being able to be flexible in the way we do achieve these goals. And most importantly, we need to set our goals visually. You can't write down the things that you want to do. We're often heading towards a visual goal. Good visual goals aren't things that are explainable. By definition, good art completes itself in the viewer's mind. And it says something that you couldn't just say. Otherwise, you could just say it with words, with writing. Art is something that sort of rises above that. And even when we're talking about entertainment design, drawing comics, video games, we still need to have that approach where the things that we're trying to do need to rise above a simple description. So often when we're setting visual goals, we are thinking about very subtle things. And the way that you would look at a series of images and I would look at a series of images is potentially different. There's subjectivity, there's subtlety there. It's important to appreciate that. But this is a big part of what visual literacy is about. And a lot of people who write productivity books are, I would say, in most cases, visually illiterate. They wouldn't be able to understand what we're doing. So my approach here is a matter of looking at what we can do from a visual literacy point of view to try and set goals. So we're going to combine a lot of ideas from productivity, goal setting, Typical books that you would read on this stuff, but I'm looking at it specifically from the artist's point of view. We we're setting the goals visually with a series of images. When we're tracking our progress, we're tracking it visually, i.e. by looking at a series of images and assessing it. And it's important here to understand and appreciate that as artists, this is work. You looking at images is work. You are assessing the visual nature of that work. You watching a movie is work. And it's the same as reading a book. But somehow watching a movie and reading a book doesn't seem to be in the same sort of ballpark for what most people consider to be work. But a lot of what we do when we are just looking at images and assessing the images we like versus the images we don't like, why we like them, and collecting them and creating, you know, different worlds by combining images, you know, mood boards and Pinterest boards where you collect all the things you like. When you combine imagery in this way as an artist and you look at it and you are visually literate, you see new possibilities, new styles, new ways of doing things. And often goal setting is a matter of just collecting images that to you say a particular thing. So that's just a little bit to outline the general approach that I have to productivity and goal setting when it comes to being an artist. Now, as I said, just quickly to outline the framework that I'm going to use, it's very simple. You need to know where you're going. You need to know where you are so that you can figure out whether or not you're headed in the right direction. Okay. It's one thing to say, Hey, I have this lofty aspiration, this lofty goal. I want to be this type of artist. I want to create this type of thing. If you don't really know where you are, then you don't know what the difference is, what the delta is between your skill set and that skill set. So you don't really know what to work on. And as you work on things and progress, you don't really know whether or not you're progressing in the right direction. There's a million things you can learn about art. There's a million craft-based tools you can learn, techniques you can learn. Not all of them are going to get you where you want to be. And not all of them are going to get you where you want to go. 
the fastest. So knowing where you are and the direction, the relationship between you and the goal is critical. I call this a vector, although that does seem to be a bit of a technical term. The third thing here is the speed or our productivity. How are we actually moving towards that goal? And what are the things that we can do in terms of defining better goals that are more likely to get us there faster? Or just be more productive, be more effective at our use of employing energy, essentially, on a, again, at a really basic um, fundamental level. You know, what are things you're doing? How are you um, setting up your goals? What do you define as success? How are you feeling good about that? Are you doing a little bit each day? Are you doing a little bit each week? How do you define success? How are you motivating yourself? How are you staying focused? Are you grinding away? Are you doing the work? How do we make sure that we do as much of that as possible? And when we're not seeing the progress that we want, how can we adjust what we're doing, what we're studying, what we're doing to try and get closer to our goal? So very simple framework. Where are we going? Where are we? And are we headed in the right direction towards that goal? Um, and how fast? How can we work on the speed? Very, very simple framework, almost to the point where, again, it's, it, it, it doesn't even bear repeating, but I think it's so important to just break down the actual things that you're going to need in order to actually set goals and figure out how we're going to go. So I'm going to talk about three primary things here when it comes to doing a review. Because again, the review here is critical. We need to know where we have gone before you just start making crazy plans. It's so important to just look back at the year and think about what has been happening? This gives us a lot of the impetus that we'll use, and I will make some episodes going forward that talk about goal setting, how we might set new goals, and a lot of sort of separate tips and ideas for you know how you might set effective goals and set up your workspace and do all that kind of nitty gritty. But here, before you do that, we just got to figure out where we have been. And what I'm going to do is three main parts to this episode where I'm just going to explain how we might look back when it comes to those three ideas, looking at our goals, whether we're headed in the right direction and how we have gone when it comes to our speed, actually doing it. So firstly, we need to look at where we're going. What is the goal? What are you trying to do with your art? And I think visually there's a number of ways we can sort of break this down. What you want to look at is your overall larger master artistic goals. What are the things that really define your art at its core? The reason that it's important to find this type of influence map, a Pinterest board, a folder full of images, whatever it is, I do recommend creating an influence map using one of the popular methods that is out there, some of the memes. There was a meme by a guy called Fox Orion that was on DeviantArt. I think now it's been moved from DeviantArt. I'll see if I can get the link to that and put it down below. But if you just search for influence map artist, you probably find a variety of these templates that you can use in Photoshop now or any other image editing, image editing program. They often come as a PSD file and it's just a matter of collecting images and putting it there. Now that may be easy for you, it may be hard. If it's hard to use an image editing app and sort of put all the images there, a, this might be a really good chance to learn how to do that. But if not, just create a Pinterest board or an album on your phone where you take screenshots of things you like um, or photos of things you like. and Or it could just be a, a folder on Dropbox, a folder on your computer, whatever it is. It's a collection of images. It's not hard. 
you use whatever method works for you. I do find that Pinterest is one of these things that kind of just persists. You know, I've got Pinterest boards that I've made for this type of thing. And years and years later, I still go there and they're there and I can go look at them. It's not the best for collecting really high res quality art though. So again, the process of you doing this, I would say to, you know, the, the proper highest degree where you actually use a template, create an influence map in that way is worthwhile because it requires more thought. The more thought you put in, I think the better this is. One of the key aspects to an influence map template is you have a limited number of space and you're forced to kind of figure out what are your major artistic influences? What are your goals? And I think filling that space and thinking about which image should be bigger, which is smaller, helps you to just think about what is important to you from an artistic standpoint. There's a lot of value in that. If you are just saving images on Pinterest, I, I would try and, yes, yeah, save a bunch, but then really try and cut it down to a limited number of things because brevity and clarity here when it comes to your ultimate artistic goals is important. And this is something I've done ages ago, and I think it's a really good experience and thing to do. You will learn a lot about your artistic personality and things that you like. Now, the reason that I think it's good to define a master version of this is that I really believe that our primary artistic influences and inspirations don't change that much over time. The example I normally give is that I would be creating designs or drawing things or be really drawn to a particular type of idea. And it would be the case that I would look back and find that the reason for that was because I watched some cartoon when I was a kid. I had some toy when I was a kid and it had this visual aesthetic, this look. And I've been surprised the number of times where I keep doing a thing and I think it's original or I think it's like me and I look back and it's like, very similar to something that would have been a major design for a character or some toy that I was playing with, whatever it may be. And I think these core influences stick with us for a long time. So knowing them and having a good grounding for where you do want to go is good because you can always come back to it, can always keep you on track. The second type of influence map that I think is useful to have is something that is more specific you want to get good at anatomy, you want to get good at doing a sketchbook, you want to get good at using the color blue. Let's make an influence map, a collection of, of, of images, a Pinterest board for really great images that use the color blue. And this is literally the type of goal that I have set before where early on in my career, I got really good at using the red and green color scheme. And I would always if I got lost, just tend to kind of make things red and green. And I got, it got to the point where I really set a goal for myself to explore other color schemes. And this was challenging. So something that would be useful and the kind of thing that I kind of would do is to make a folder of images that were kind of really blue and look at and take them into Photoshop I drop around and figure out like, how are they doing that? How are they actually making it that blue? And what other colors do you combine with blue? How do you handle the background, the foreground, the temperature? There's a lot of these things. Is it actually even blue? It feels like a blue image to me. If I actually, I drop around, is it a greeny blue, right? A purpley blue? What, what kind of blue is there? And being able to use that as a goal, 
So I'd look at that and I'd say, yeah, these people are doing this well. And that's kind of what I meant. Because obviously, depending on what style you're using, the way that you express this idea of getting better at using a particular color, adding more contrast to your images, whatever it is, is going to be different. So we need to be specific and visually specific. Um, and I think you know, those are some, some good types of directional um, ways to kind of define how you're actually going to you know, set your goal, right? So it can be your master goal and also you might have these little sub goals. I'm going to improve my anatomy. I'm going to improve my color sense. And then how would you know whether you've actually achieved that? In what way are you trying to do that? And I think setting those goals visually is very important. So those are some, some basic ways that you might actually define your goals. Now, you may have done that before, you may not, but I think it's important either way to have those in your sort of tool set, right? These are things that we're actually going to use to compare images against. So when it comes to goals and looking at those, one of the primary things you can do is to have those influence maps and really think about where you did want to go with your art. Now, you can also just do this in your head. Having them with influence maps helps. But the thing we're going to really do when it comes to a review is just simply take all of the images that we created over the previous year, the previous cycle, whatever it is. Again, as I said, I think it's fun to make these types of episodes. I'm making this in very, very late December 2023. And I think everyone's, it, it is a good time to reset. Where there is that energy in the air, everyone's talking about what they're going to do different next year because this is a cultural phenomenon in a lot of sort of Western society to do this at that sort of turn of the, um, the calendar. I think it is good to just be able to do this at any point though. Look back, if you really feel frustrated, like things are not going well, again, look at your goals artistically, look at all the work you've been doing previously, and this may go back from, to the very start and just be like, we're, we're, what's happening? So either way, in terms of doing an annual review for the last year, let's just literally collect all the images we, we created and we're going to put them in a folder. And the number one thing we're going to do is just really just look at those and chart our progress and see whether we've made any progress with those particular things. Now, there's a couple of different ways we can do this. Firstly, you can just look at it. As I said just looking at images will tell you a lot. You will start comparing, thinking about, remembering the things that you did and the work that you created. It's easy to lose sight of little things that we did throughout the year to also not appreciate the progress we've made. Or this may be a good time for a wake-up call to realize like, oh, no, I haven't actually created that much work. If you look at your actual output, there's not much there. Now, how you collect these images could be any way you want. I am often saving out images to send when I finish a professional job or I make something that I'm going to post on the internet. So I actually have a pretty good collection of all of these images. You may be wanting to take a bunch of photos or scan some sketchbook pages, but be sure, especially in the beginning, to include your bad sketchbook pages as well. Because a lot of what we're trying to look at is progress. And you want to look at the progress not just of your best pieces, but of your worst pieces. Often, one of the things that really improves with your art is your ability to make sure that when you make mistakes and it all goes badly, that it doesn't go that badly. So when I was looking at my progress really early on, 
it was often not that the better images went that much better. Sometimes they would be good, sometimes they would be bad. But what I kind of noticed over time is, you know, in my sketchbooks, for instance, that when a drawing didn't go well or I wasn't happy with it, let's say, it was still okay as I progressed. But earlier on, when, you know, when something wasn't going well and I wasn't happy with it, it was just kind of a mess of nothing. It was just like a nothing drawing. So this is often the difference that you're looking for is a difference in the worst piece to the best piece over the year. Look at, again, the things you were doing right at the beginning when you were learning a particular skill or trying to take on a particular challenge and really compare these. This will give you a good indication of what your progress actually has been. So compare the work in the beginning of the year to the end of the year and just see, are things getting better? Now, normally in the beginning, what you'll find is that everything's kind of getting better. We're improving on all fronts, at least to some degree. You may need to actually do this review to actually notice this. I've had this experience many times with students and what we would recommend is that people record all of the work they do. And we got to a point teaching in a university environment where we really had to force people to do this. And this became a part of the actual assessment process is to look at your worst piece versus your best piece and have that be part of your presentation at the end of the year. Because I'd frequently be talking to students who had gone through, and these are people who are focused 100% from a career standpoint, uh, a time standpoint, they're doing a full-time course, that course is designed to make them improve, to learn a number of skills for their art, and they're learning fundamental things. There's not a lot of fluff in there. So they should be getting better. And they would get to the end of the year and they'd feel like, oh, I haven't improved, nothing's happened, I don't think I'm cut out for this. And we'd say, okay, just, yeah, sure, that's what you think, but let's actually go back and look at things. And they'd be like, no, 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 look, it doesn't matter when we actually forced people to do this and actually looked at the stuff they were doing in week one versus the stuff they're doing in the last week of the year or the their best piece, or we kind of said, take you know your worst piece that you did over the year and compare it to your best piece, they would see this massive change. You would actually be able to, almost with everyone, see like palpable difference and improvement. And it was only when they really noticed that change that people got excited about the process and excited about the future. So a lot of this may be just noticing that there has been improvement. Now, if you're not in a university course where you're doing this full time, you're probably not going to see this massive change. But I'm pretty confident that you'll be able to see this change and either you'll be able to you know, appreciate and have gratitude for the work you've done, which will help you have motivation going forward. Or if you're not seeing any change, then that's also a signal that like maybe you need to do something different. Maybe you need to mix things up again. Without this, it's hard to make good goals and aspirations going forward. Now, the other thing that I think is really interesting about this is often what I've experienced is that I have gone in a bad direction. I have many times tried to go in a new artistic direction because I because of, I don't know, it's often happen. It's hard to explain often why this happens, but frequently I would be trying to, I'd look at some other artist and this is something also we'll speak about, about the idea of continually doing things that work as opposed to just changing stuff for no reason. So often I'd be doing things that were working, they were working for me, and then I'd see some shiny goal in the distance. There'd be some artist that I'd see 
Maybe they were using a different software program. Maybe they were using a much more exaggerated style. Maybe they were doing something different, whatever it was. And I'd be pursuing that particular thing in my art and I'd be doing it more and I'd feel like I'm making progress. This thing's working. This is getting better. I'm getting better at this particular thing. And then at the end of the year, when I do one of these reviews, I look back and I notice, you know what? My old stuff is better, right? It's that classic thing that, you know, musicians hate where, you know, their fans say, I, I liked your old stuff better. Um, which is, there's nothing you can do about that. But if you like your old stuff better, it's time to go back and make a change. And I think this is something that's quite easy to do visually because we are often looking at, you know, very, very subtle things. And I've not only noticed this just year to year, but I frequently really advanced in my career and my skill set. And it's only through looking back at past art that I've done that I really notice, you know what, there was a there was a thing back there five years ago where I got into a really good thing. I really found something that was working. But and, and it's often hard to define this because technically my work has improved. But still, when I go back and I look at those old drawings, I feel like I like them better than a lot of the stuff I'm doing now. There was energy there. And frequently, this can happen as you improve your art, as you get better. We stop doing things because we know they're wrong. But a lot of style and a lot of why people like art is because we're doing things instinctively because they look good and we don't care whether they're wrong. So you can kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater to a certain degree. You can lose things that are very appealing about your style because you've learned how to do it properly. And this can often be a major detriment to people's overall art, right? They get better, but the work that they're creating doesn't get better, if that makes sense. So there's all these different aspects to looking at your artistic goals, which are going to help you guide yourself towards some choice here. It's very easy, again, if you don't have those goals to just flop around a whole bunch and go in these different directions and, and constantly via left and right. It is important to say, well, which one is right? Is it the new direction I've got? Is it this old direction? How do I combine those? What do I do? And that can be something that you can codify as a goal going forward. But again, for this episode, we're just looking back. And these are the things we want to look at. Have we gotten better? Have we progressed? Have we maybe missed something? Have we gotten better technically, but from an appeal standpoint, have we lost something? Did we forget to do something that was working? This is often what's happening. I was learning a new technique or a new skill, and I forgot to do a whole bunch of stuff that was working really well. And subsequently, all of the good stuff that came from that has disappeared. So I think just looking at images you have made, looking at your goals and aspirations, is a really good way to just step back and get a view of where you have been. So the second thing here, the second, not necessarily stage, but aspect of this system is to look at the direction. This is where you really look at where you are and how your work and the progress that you've made is either moving you towards or away from the actual direction you want to go. So a little bit linked to what we were just saying, but I think once you've kind of just had a look at it and, and done that first stage of just assessing the work, looking at your main artistic goals, it's really more a matter now of thinking and digging into 
Where are you going? Is the directionality actually going in the right direction? And early on, I think this often happens with students as well, that for some reason, if we look at their major artistic goals, they have an influence map. And the reason I often get people to make influence maps in any class I'm doing is so I can understand who the person in front of me is. Like, who are you as an artist? I can't help you unless I know where you want to go. And the reason is really simple because often what will be happening is that people kind of say, hey, I need help with my anatomy and they'll show me their work. And until I kind of know what they want to do, it's very hard for me to know what I would suggest that they do to change. People would often show me some work and it's only when I see their influence map that I'm like, oh, wow, like you're way off, right? So what we need to do is completely forget what you're doing and, you know, really double down on this type of thing. You know, people would be drawing in a very cartoony style and all their influence map is like really realistic stuff. And I'm, I just say, okay, well, this gives me a good indication of where we need to go. We know where you're at. We know where you want to go. So you need to really double down on learning this realistic anatomy. Here are the books. Here are the resources. Here are the YouTube videos. Here's what we can do to help you do that. The other thing that we'd often have is people would get, for some reason, sidetracked. And this frequently would happen is I'd look at someone's influence map and I'd see a lot of, it's frequently, as a metaphor, it's a lot of sort of anime, like manga style stuff. People often grow up. Um, being really in love with video games, animation, cartoony stuff, stylized stuff. And then for whatever reason, it's either a high school teacher, or a parent, someone in their life says, that work is useless, there's no jobs, there's no opportunities there, this is not real art, whatever it is. They just really make it clear that this is not good and you should not be doing it. And so they start drawing realistically. Or we might just have the fact that in my case, I was often teaching in a university environment at an entertainment design school where people are doing a lot of VFX concept art style work, which often is realistic. And it just happened that a lot of the teachers came from that style. And people just kind of got into the course and thought like, oh, I have to do that because that's what we're doing here. And no, no, didn't matter how much we kind of said it's important to explore your own style and that kind of thing. People just had this assumption that came from nowhere or maybe just came from that general pressure, the peer pressure around them, just looking at things that the teachers were giving approval for because that's the kind of stuff they liked. And often when people are into kind of realistic, more VFX stuff and they see some sort of anime um, fan art style work, uh, people don't really know what to do with that. They don't know how to critique it as well. It's hard to know where people want to go with it. What do you, what do you want to do with that work? And there would be a lot of people whose influence map was very colorful, bright, cartoony, stylistic, and they'd been told to do life drawing. Hey, you should do life drawing. Um, you know, this will teach you anatomy. And so they'd be doing all this life drawing. They'd be learning the techniques that often go with life drawing using charcoal um, on newsprint. And these skills obviously have nothing to do with drawing manga or anything like that because you're drawing completely different scale, different tools, different techniques. You're not actually looking at something. You're making it up from your imagination, whatever it is. And, you know, they just kind of started drawing more realistically. And it's only when you look at the influence map and you look at where they are that you can say, why are you doing it this way? Why don't you just focus on drawing more cartoony stuff? And they'll say, I don't know, just because I thought, you know, I shouldn't. 
And you can point out the obvious that, you know, there's plenty of, you know, mobile games that have restylized anime style looks. There's a lot of really cartoony games out there to just have little blobby characters that don't have all this sort of accurate anatomy. You know, you can do that right. And they're like, really? It's like, yeah, you could do that. And they're like, oh, I never thought of that before. So from my experience, I mean, let me know in the comments down below or send me an email, tim at the drawingcodex.com what your sort of experience of this is. But from my experience, there's a lot of these things where people don't really realize that the things they're doing are in no way, shape or form heading them towards being able to create the type of art that they're actually aspiring to create. So having this direction early on is really good. And, th and this can be just as simple as knowing like early on, it's much more a matter of looking into the distance and you're seeing this mountain that you're headed towards. And you really just have to make sure you're headed towards that mountain and you're not headed in the opposite direction. You're not headed towards some complete other mountain. You're, you're navigating at a very broad level. It doesn't matter whether you, you know, go left or right for a few miles. You're kind of going roughly this way. In the beginning, that's really what we're trying to define. As you progress, it may be more a matter of, as I said, trying to get better at using the color blue, right? It may be a matter of figuring out how to exaggerate your anatomy better. We have smaller goals and what we're trying to look at is like, how good am I doing that now? Having an influence map or a series of images for like, imagine you are trying to really push your ability to exaggerate anatomy, get these sort of crazy shapes, dynamism with that. You will be pushing yourself in your sketchbook. You're trying to really sort of get better at that. You're learning anatomy, you're learning the structure. It may only be after you've done a bunch of this work that you go back and you realize, you know what, I was really trying to push that. And you look at the work you were doing and then you look at your influence map for that. You reassess and you realize, I need to go way further. I need to push this way, way further. I need to be way more exaggerated. I really need to double down and, and sort of forget, you know, delaminate myself from the bounds of realistic anatomy. And maybe that can be something you sort of move forward with. So looking at, where you are and where you want to go, the directionality, you headed in the right direction. It can be this massive metaphor of just looking at a mountain in the distance, or it can be much more nuanced where you're looking specifically at a very small goal and you're noticing that like you need to go way, way more in a particular direction in order to get that extra color, extra contrast, whatever it is. Now, the reason that it's good to review is that it's surprising the degree to which we can forget what we were doing because often we go off on little tangents. We go off on little side quests as artists. We find something that was working. Maybe you forget that you were doing the color blue. You get good at using purple and then you just kind of get sucked down the rabbit hole of using purple. Or you find that through the process of learning to exaggerate your anatomy, your anatomy got better anyway. Um, and you know, you kind of like what you were doing, but you forget that again, in order to really achieve your artistic goals, you need to work on pushing it right to creating that exaggeration. I've done this many times where I kind of get into this habit of doing a particular thing. And then I realize that a lot of my influences, a lot of my real goals are maybe more exaggerated more shape-based, more stylistic. It's just important to appreciate this relationship between where you're at and where you want to go. The thing here to appreciate is that I think there is a natural tension between having these goals and being an artist and just exploring. 
And I think this is where a lot of goal setting and productivity literature really talks about it's the grind, it's the hustle. And the approach to making a mistake or like feeling like, oh, I'm going off off on a tangent or I want to explore this is like, it's like, no, you need to grind through it. You need to like grit your teeth and like bite down and, and crush that thing. And, you know, even if you're not feeling good about it, doesn't matter. Just do it anyway. Get up, push content, make art, make art, draw to your fingers bleed. I mean, I think the, the problem with that is that often these voices inside our head, these subconscious messages for like, mm, maybe I'm not quite happy with this or I don't like this art or I'm not really feeling like it today. A lot of these things have root in the way that we have actually defined our goals and set up where we want to go. And I think often a lot of artistic block that people encounter, maybe not all, but I think a lot of it is because deep down, you know where you want to go, but you've taken a wrong turn. And I think these feelings that people can have where they know that they want to create more cartoony stylistic work, or they know they want to create hyper-realistic work, um, but yet they've kind of been influenced to create different work for whatever reason. This can really create a lot of internal dissonance within people where they kind of over time just don't feel that good about doing what they're doing. And it's very easy for us to lose our way and, and get dissuaded by these sort of differences between where we really want to go and, and where we are, where we are and where we're headed. So it can't be overstated how important it is to pay attention to where you do want to deviate, play around, keep the goal in mind, but understand that as artists, you need to be flexible as well. And a lot of what I want to do in sort of follow-up episodes is really talk about the, the nuances of that, right? The nerdy sort of nitty gritty of like how we do handle out artistic rituals, how you do make sort of little changes and, and, you know, how we can sort of deal with that stuff. But again, appreciate this is not a matter of, you know, set it and forget it. You do need to constantly pay attention to where you are, what you want to do and how you adjust and tweak these things. But fundamentally, the most important thing is to look at from a review point of view, what's all the art you've done, are you headed in the right direction? Have you lost your way? Um, and I think just thinking about this is a really good way to make sure you're going to go into making goals later on in a good way. All right. Lastly, let's discuss the idea of speed. And this is where from a review standpoint, we need to just really be honest with ourselves about the speed that we're progressing. Is it going to be enough to get where we want? Now, as I said in some follow-up episodes, I'll really talk about how to optimize that productivity and that speed. But for now, I think there's obviously a couple of ways that you might look at the past year and sort of assess your progress. Um, is it a matter of just realizing that you haven't got enough done? Frequently for me, I've been in situations where I had a big goal to create my own graphic novel or project and I was really excited about pursuing it and I did a lot of work and I talked to a lot of people about it. I did a lot of making notes and doing things, but when I actually look back, I realized that I didn't really do it. You know, it, it didn't really happen. There was a lot of stuff around it, but I wasn't really pushing it forward and, and I wasn't really being serious about it. And looking back, I just kind of realized, hey, if I keep doing this, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work. I'm not going to get there, right? Like, let's be honest. Let's look at this and be and be truthful. And this may just be a matter of appreciating that. The other thing that I think often happens, though, when it comes to speed and productivity is that I feel like we, we often as artists, and let me know, again, whether you 
you know, whether this tracks for you, but I feel like we, we tend to be either like maniacally over-optimistic about what we're going to be able to achieve in the future and also very pessimistic about the progress we have made. And, and I've seen this a lot with, with artists, you know, really feeling like, again, as I was saying in the beginning, haven't made any progress over the year. Let's go back and see what progress we have made because that progress is important. And also um, at the end of this, I'll give you a few bonus sort of takeaway thoughts and ideas. We won't be doing takeaways, but we're doing a few bonus ideas here that really sort of talk to, you know, how I think we can sort of also appreciate our learning because there's many different aspects to how we have progressed. But if we just look at the art, really step back and be honest with yourself about the progress that you've made. You may be making a lot of progress. Often I think people are surprised at the amount of stuff they've done. And I think the more you appreciate that, the more you realize, well, you know, maybe if I put in a little bit more effort, I get way more done or, wow, I've done a lot. You know, maybe I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. But either way, I think just being honest with yourself about how much effort you put in, how focused you were, and just understanding, is that going to get you where you want? Is that going to get you to your goals? Is that going to allow you to achieve what you want to achieve? This is one of the most important things to do because often when it comes to setting goals, we have to really think about whether, like like what is causing that inefficiency. And, and frequently, one of the things that does cause inefficiency is you know flip-flopping between different goals. If you're really trying to improve your productivity, a lot of it is staying the course, is understanding that you need to develop more motivation, you need to build your rituals, you need to make sure that you're spending more time sitting down drawing and to figure out how to do that. I've often seen that over the year, I felt like I was doing a lot, but because I was oscillating from one project to another, nothing really happened, like nothing of substance happened. And I did stuff, but yeah, it didn't really have the effect that I wanted, let's say. And it's only sort of looking back at that, that I really understood that. And there's a multitude of reasons that that could happen. Some of them are very valid. Um, I've had some years where I started an artistic project because I ran out of freelance work and I was like, I'm going to do a comic and I'm going to make a Patreon account and I'm going to do my own comic and I do my own thing. And, and I literally, I wrote the comic. I did the first five pages. I made promotional artwork. I made a website for it. And then someone came along and they were like, yeah, so we're working on this game for the next two years. Uh, do you want to work full time on this? And I was like, yeah, I do, because that would be a lot easier. And I kind of chickened out on that and, and also, you know, worked on a really fun project with great people for a long time and made, you know, probably way more money than I would if I was going to do that that project. And, you know, I sort of look back on the year and I'm like, what did I do? It's like, oh, that's right. I got really excited about that project. And then you know, because I was very busy, I didn't really get any of my other sort of personal work off the ground. And, you know, I sort of look back at it and, and I sort of realized there was a lot of lost opportunities there. And, you know, I kind of put a lot of energy in, but nothing really happened because often with creative endeavors or new learning endeavors, th there's a lot of friction in the beginning. You have plans and you sort of get it off the ground, but it's only really when you get stuck into it and you deal with the challenges, you start producing work, you know, you sort of iron out all the kinks and, and, and then you, you, you really start to make work that lives up to the dreams you had. That's been my experience anyway. So it's very easy to put a lot of effort in and not see any result essentially. And if you just look back and understand maybe why that's happened, try and get a handle on it. Again, you're the only one who's going to be able to know this. I can give you the framework, but when it comes to these goals, so many things are very specific to your particular situation. There's no such thing as, 
you didn't draw X number of hours a day, therefore you failed, right? It's all a matter of maximizing the amount of effort you can put in. For instance, uh, as a small sort of anecdote example from my sort of life over 2023, there was a number of things that made like real progress with my own art quite challenging. I had a lot of aspirations to do a variety of things. And then I got offered the Star Atlas Core comic book, which I got to, you know, do a lot of the creative groundwork for it. I was able to write it. I wrote, you know, the, the story, the dialogue, essentially, like the vast majority of the actual writing work was stuff that I did. And I got to draw it, storyboard it, letter it, color it, do everything, right? Um, I had a team that was helping me, but I was helping out with marketing as well. It was a huge amount of work, essentially. So I kind of dropped everything. And that's what I was working on for most of 2023. But there was a number of things that happened. The company that I was working with, and I think I've spoken about this before, had two rounds of massive layoffs in 2023. And basically by the end of it, there was two complete changes in the whole production process for the comic that I was working on. And priorities shifted. The way we were producing it shifted. Basically by the end of it, most of the people, like 99% of the people who I had worked on, had planned this thing, were no longer there. And it was just you know, me and a couple of other people kind of carrying the torch forward with this. Um, and uh, it's still like an important part of the project. And I was still like sort of dedicated to this thing, but I kind of burned a lot of energy doing that essentially. Um, and it took a lot of focus to do that. And the other thing that I also mentioned on this channel is that um, me and my wife had a, a new baby. So I had a new baby in the middle of the year. Uh, people got fired left, right and center of this thing. Everything changed, right? So for me, and this may be the case for you, right? There's legitimate reasons why you may not have made maybe the progress that you wanted. And, you know, you might be in, in that stage where it's like you kind of weathered the storm. You are improved, but maybe you moved house, you know, um, you broke up with someone, you know, you had epic drama, whatever happened, um, you know, lost a job, gained a job, changed this, changed that, had to renovate your house, um, you know, had to you know, move house, whatever, right? Like whatever it is that you had to do, um, often we have massive life challenges depending on our stage of life that can really damage the production process of you improving your art, right? And, and really often makes these little things that we're talking about here seem irrelevant, right? Often we can have such major challenges being like relocated, having to, you know, like I know like rental accommodation is like ridiculously challenging um, over the last year. I know a lot of people who had to move house, um, you know, just to kind of find somewhere to live, right? Um, and, you know, that completely throws everything off, you, 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 you know. So even if you kind of manage to make minor improvements and progress in productivity over those times, I think it's important to appreciate that and just look at the reality of what happened. So again, for me, and this may be the case for you, um, I maybe didn't make as, if I sort of look back at it, and I'm like, well, I kind of, the output maybe wasn't as much as I sort of thought it should be. But I feel like if I look at all the other challenges that kind of happened that had nothing to do with art, really, um, I kind of did all right, right? It's kind of, I don't feel too bad about it. So you always have to take into consideration when it comes to productivity, the whole picture of your life and how those things fit in. You have to be realistic about it, right? It's not some video game where you just draw till fingers bleed till you get better at art, right? <laughs> and then kind of win. Um, 
but I would say that, you know, also appreciate that you managed that, right? That you managed to deal with that. You got to the other side of it, or maybe you're still in the middle of it. Again, that you're fighting that fight, trying to still get art done despite things changing or whatever may be going on. Um, and I think, again, you know, setting goals that might match that or being more realistic with your expectations next year can be really useful, right? Um, certainly for me, um, as another sort of personal anecdote, like this is the sort of third child that we had. And I remember back to having the, the first child and the way that threw off everything that I thought was going to happen in the year. All my feelings of being productive, all my feelings of like, oh, I'm going to do this and all that. It's like, just like, boom, no, no, that's going to happen. This other stuff is going to happen. So again, I still managed to like get it, get probably, you know, like more work than I thought I was going to get done maybe, but the way that it happened, the way I had to change, the way I had to modify things, what I sort of focused on uh, was very different. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, so you kind of see these coming, you know, every time you move house, you realize this is going to be a huge pain. You know, you don't uh, you don't beat yourself up over it as, as much. So, again, just appreciating that stuff and how it relates to your art is really important because often I feel like people don't do this. Um, I know a lot of students who don't who aren't making the progress that they maybe should. And then you realize what's happening in their home life and you kind of understand why they're not able to actually put in that much effort. So just appreciating these things and realizing that maybe any progress is good, um, it is worth mentioning, right? You know, those ideas and, and to, to have adequate expectations of what you're going to be able to achieve. But with that said, this can be a really good time to look back and say, hey, next year it's time to really double our efforts, right? Really make sure this happens, really double down on ritual, productivity, staying out of the gray zone, not trying to watch movies while you're drawing, whatever it is. Um, yeah, it, it can be just a really good way to understand what you need to do going forward. So hopefully that gives you a few things to think about in terms of how the year has gone. Um, you could probably think of some other things to think about and really just looking at your images, thinking about where you were going, thinking about what your aspirations were is very useful, right? We don't need to overcomplicate this, but this what I provided is, is just some things you, you could sort of add into the mix, let's say. Um, now, I don't want to do takeaways in this particular episode like I normally do because I feel like this is fairly analytical and step-by-step -step anyway. But there are three little bonus things that I think we can look at here. So the first bonus point is something I hinted at before, which is that you have to appreciate that often success is about doing the things that worked previously. And I think a really hidden gem you can often find here are things that you were doing well previously that you kind of forgot and you stopped doing. It really can often be, you know, just this simple. And I frequently found doing these reviews that, as I was saying, you kind of find that like, hey, there was some real aspect to my art. I was getting this structural thing happening with my, you know, drawing or whatever. And maybe I was adding that extra step. You were adding the extra construction phase. You were planning your art better. Maybe you did a color script first. Uh, maybe you made a mood board when you're doing some design work. Maybe you did a bunch of thumbnails at some stage. Maybe you did it or, you know, maybe you just took a break at a particular time in your process. There's a million little things here that can really change the way your art works. And often I think what happens is, as I was sort of alluding to, you find things that were working. You are doing things that are working. Your art gets better. This is happening. 
And then you see another shiny little thing that's going on. And I think often what happens is before we've really integrated that thing fully into our workflow, so it's subconscious, so you're always doing that construction phase, you're always doing a color script, you're always doing your mood board, we often just sort of stop doing it. And the trick is that the afterglow of that particular effect will persist. So frequently, if you are doing your construction phase and you're kind of making your art a little bit more structural, you're sorting out your secondary form, you're getting all of that stuff working, your art gets better, it's more solid, it's, you know, it's all working well. Then you stop doing it because maybe you just start focusing on something else or you get like, oh, maybe I'm bored of this. Or often what will happen is with that particular thing is that you kind of get so good at structural drawing, you get in the flow of visualizing form and thinking about, you know, where your anatomy is and, you know, building out all the anatomical muscles in the figure before you clothe it. You know, maybe doing the skeleton beforehand, you know, whatever process you have, like properly, you know, if you're following the Loomis method and you're drawing head, like properly defining the center line, all of the other things. And you kind of get a bit sloppy because you're you're thinking, look, that's working okay. Maybe I can just skip a step here. I, I don't need to do that. And often what happens is because you're so used to doing it, there's an afterglow effect of that dedication to the craft of just doing simple things that work and we stop doing those and it still works. And we think, wow, I don't need to do that anymore. But then after a while, maybe if you take a break from drawing or you don't do something, the afterglow of those practices goes away and then your art just maybe slips a little bit in terms of structure because you're not having that discipline to keep doing those things that work. This often happens for me exactly <laughs> with this same example where I will be in the flow of things and I'm really drawing all day, every day I'm drawing comics or something and I kind of realize, hey, you know, I probably don't need to construct this that much. I can make this up on the fly. I can make that up on the fly. I'll just kind of wing it, right? I'll do a really rough sketch and then I'll just sort of wing the final lines. And, you know, when I'm on deadline and I'm really hard up against it, I do this and it kind of works, you know, because I'm so in the flow of drawing, I'm really, you know, doing all the right things and I just kind of wing a whole bunch of stuff and it kind of looks good and because I'm on deadline and on pressure, I kind of don't really care that it's maybe not as good as it should be. Um, and then later on, I kind of think maybe I can just keep doing that. But often what happens is that afterglow is gone, right? I'm not necessarily in that flow anymore. And yeah, you know, if I keep doing that, I notice that things get a little bit sloppy, everything gets a little bit flaky and yeah, it just doesn't turn out as well. And I have to look back at it and go like, wow, like the drawing in this episode was much better than the drawing in that. Like, what was going on? And I look, I look back at the process and I'm like, ah, that's why, right? I was actually doing all the right stuff that are things that I teach, things that I know I should be doing. But I kind of just got sloppy, right? I stopped doing it. And, and so often art is not a matter of doing some magical thing in some magical way. It's a matter of doing a million little things right, of not making a whole bunch of really bad, silly decisions. And I think often if you just do the right things, you continuously do them, you find good results. So this would be just something to really think about with your previous work is go and look at some things that maybe you were doing right that you stopped and just appreciate all the things that you have been doing right 
because often if you just keep doing those things, you add a few more other things, you get in the habit of doing those, that's where real progress will be made. The second bonus point that's worth considering is to track and appreciate and recognize the learning that you've done. The other thing that can be said about art learning is often what we're doing is putting together five or six or a hundred or whatever, how many different disparate skills. There's often anatomy, there's construction drawing, there's color theory, composition, motion, pattern, whatever it is. I could keep going. You're trying to sort of learn all those things and then you're trying to put them all together. And it's only until you put them together that you often really see the result. You see the thing you're actually trying to achieve and you often need to not just do it a bit, you need to do it a lot. So you can be making great inroads to your art. You can be learning and you can be taking courses, getting better at any one of those disparate skills, but maybe you haven't implemented it yet or maybe you learned it, but it just is not showing up in your work yet. It's important to appreciate the learning you have done because it may not be what you consider output, but it is continually doing that and works and focusing on continuously improving that will make you good in the long run. So as part of this review, just list all of the things that you have learned, all of the new concepts, try and remember back all of the books you read, courses you took, um, you know, new concepts you took on board and, and just appreciate and recognize them. Because again, similar to the previous point I was making, if you remember to do all those things, often that will be the difference. And frequently we learn things and then we forget them. And it's a matter of going into this new cycle of making goals to take with you a lot of the stuff you have learned previously. And remember, remember to do the things that worked. The last point I want to make here as a little bonus addendum is why I think planning is important for artists. And I've sort of said this in the beginning that it can often feel antithetical to being an artist to plan. But I really think a lot of what's going on when we encounter artistic block is that we're not aligned internally. Our subconscious mind, our artistic mind, our body, our everything's not aligned with these new goals. It's easy to have this energy in the beginning. You're like, I'm going to learn to do this. This is really exciting. And you have the momentum, you have the emphasis, you're doing it. You're really excited. But then we encounter friction or trouble because everything is going to be challenging. No matter what we do, it's all going to be challenging. And I think it's often at this point where that initial energy kind of peters out and you're just left with the sinking feeling that maybe this thing that you thought was going to be really good isn't actually aligned with your fundamental goals. And I've frequently done this myself where I get really excited about something, but I realize that, yeah, it's not actually pushing me in the right direction. And we'll touch on this again in the following few episodes where we really dig into making goals and, and how we sort of can try and make goals that are actually going to, you know, be aligned with our primary, you know, focus and where we want to go with our art. But yeah, just this idea of planning not being where we want to go as an artist, I think is something we need to get over because I think if you do have a good plan and you do make all of those things aligned, it really allows you to sit down day in, day out and do the work. Sit down, create your art, progress, learn how to draw the finger, learn how to draw the fingernail, learn how to draw the knuckles, learn how the hand articulates, learn how to draw the wrist, learn how to draw the elbow, learn all. You're often doing these little things. And if you don't have faith and trust in 
a plan that you've made and you don't really know like, hey, I'm going somewhere with this. I've got a plan. Like, trust me. Trust me, bro. <laughs> right? Trust me, um, subconscious mind. We, we, we know where we're going. I think often our subconscious mind, our more like instinctive self, whatever you want to call it, it kind of knows where our real goals and aspirations are. And that's where you can have a lot of dissonance and you can get disillusioned with things once that initial motivation wears off. But if it's all aligned and you really do know that what you're doing is important, is going to head towards those major goals, then everything just kind of works a little bit easier. There's less of that dissonance. There's less of that artistic block. I think you'll find if you get this working from my experience anyway, it's a lot more enjoyable and artistic because when you're sitting there doing the minutiae, you're learning how to draw the fingernail a little bit better. You're learning how to draw eyelashes and how the shapes work. You can really focus on that and you don't have any of these nagging voices saying like, but what's this got to do with anything? Shouldn't I be trying to make some great picture, do thing? Because often what we're doing is we're perfecting craft. We're doing little things. We're building these tiny little building blocks of a giant structure and to really focus on those, to put the care and effort into every little bit, to really perfect the craft, you need to know what the plan is. What are you building? Where does this thing go? And it's important if you know that to do all those little bits properly, to build every little part of it correctly. Because you know when it's done, that thing's not going to fall down. That thing is going to be a solid brick, a solid part of the overall image, the overall aspirational goal and your overall artistic being. All right. So I think that's all we got time for on this particular episode on reviewing your artistic progress over the previous year. Let me know if this has been helpful. I feel like this is kind of very sort of nerdy minutiae of artistic productivity. It's like a very small niche, but I do think this stuff is so important. This is frequently the stuff that I find really trips students up when I've been sort of trying to figure out like, you know, what's happening? Like, why didn't you do any personal development stuff over the holidays? You know, like how people often have these big aspirations, like the number of times people will say, oh, I can't wait for the holidays. I'm going to do all this personal work and I'm going to do this stuff. They got all these plans, come back the next year and like, what did you do? They're like, I did nothing. <laughs> um, and I think it's really often having these things aligned, having structures in place, understanding how to motivate yourself and at any point really reassess where you want to go with your art and make a plan for it. This is often what makes the difference, right? It'll get you there faster from my experience. And I think if you sort it out, as I just said, it will allow you to be more creative with your everyday practice. So anyway, let me know, you know, how this sort of went for you in the comments down below, whether, whether this was helpful. And uh, yeah, we'll start hitting some actual, you know, how to make goals and productivity stuff in the new year. Other than that, we'll catch you around on the next one.